0: We are an independent media outlet that unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willies. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. So many things were blocked by either this admin or the states from being imported that it led to shortages. That's false shortages were caused because American corporations stiffed American workers. American corporations said a Chinese worker, a Vietnamese worker, a Filipino worker will charge pennies on the dollar than an American worker. And therefore I will offshore to build my products in China. I will build my products in the Philippines, build my products elsewhere, but it gets deeper. So after I build my products over there, I stiff the American workers. By offshore into these foreign lands, I start to build a product over there, so I create a supply chain. Every day, a ship full of containers that contain all the products that we build by foreign workers to bring into the United States from monies we deny to the American workers. After we bring those containers in, we said we can even be more efficient. We can even take more money away. How do we do that? We create something called JITI, just in time inventory. And in creating JIT, what did we do? We said, oh, we are not going to keep inventory Because inventory standing there not sold Cost us money So as that ship is in the middle of the ocean We're using that small inventory To sell in Walmart, in Sears And all these places And when those products are starting to run out That new ship that is in the middle of the Atlantic Or the Pacific Finally makes it to Long Beach, California Finally make it to Galveston, Texas Or Houston, Texas Finally make it to New Orleans Finally makes it to New York And as those trucks go to the docks to move all those products to the locations where there's really no inventory, that works great if you don't have wars. It works great if you don't have pandemics. It works great if you don't have storms. But guess what? The same corporations that want that sort of a process, just-in-time inventory to work, are the same corporations that don't want to invest into stopping pandemics, don't want to invest into stopping wars. How do you stop wars? Make sure that the countries that would have been warring against each other are funded? How do you stop storms? Make sure that we have green technology to start mitigating the creation of massive storms. So the same companies that want just-in-time inventory don't do anything to mitigate pandemics, wars, or storms, or terrorism. And then when one or many of those things occur, it creates a supply chain problem. Who is at fault for the supply chain problem? The private sector. The people who created just-in-time inventory offshoring and the refusal to pay Taxes to mitigate pandemics, wars, and climate change. It is so simple. And then they create lies. Michael says, Egberto, mind putting this Gallup poll up on the screen as it found the largest generational gap I've seen in a long time. Of course, Michael, if you want that on the screen, we'll put that on the screen. Let's see what it shows. Pride in being American by gender. I don't know that I like those kinds of polls, but I'm putting it up because you request. Here is the poll, um, because I'm going to tell you what what I mean by what I'm just going to say. It shows that very proud to be is only 43 percent for male, 34 percent for female. And, you know, it goes down. Not at all. Yeah. And then age difference, the age difference between 18 and 34, only 25 percent of extremely 23 percent, meaning less than 50 percent are really care to be American. But here's what I say to this. Right. America is a country that we control, that we are supposed to control, and even though these polls ask questions like, "How proud are you to be an American?" I am not proud of what America is doing. We're a Supreme Court and these other things that are occurring here. But for all of you that are listening right now, we are in fact uh Americans, and it is our responsibility as Americans to take control of our America and make sure that America represents all the things many like to claim about America that is yet to be realized. Unless you're planning on moving to some other utopia, we are, in fact, Americans. We are, in fact, still somewhat of a democracy. We can become a full democracy, if we decide to engage, if we decide to follow the tenets of something that I've been writing on my on my websites for for eons, political engagement should be a requirement for citizenship. So I hope with that brother Rudnan that we look at it in that regard. Martha Raddatz always seemed to appease those who have that sort of a conservative lean, the one that sort of affect people but nobody wants to talk about. Well, watch how Bernie Sanders interrupts her to set the record straight, not to use the fallacies that are out there about, oh, Joe Manchin just went ahead and stick, uh, you know, put brought it to a halt. This was orchestrated. And what I love that Bernie Sanders did, Senator Bernie Sanders, is he made it. Very clear, very early. This was no stunt. This has been going along all the while. And those on the progressive sides have been trying to point this out for some time. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side.
1: Senator, I, I, I want to turn to, to Congress and the, and the agenda there. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, abruptly pulled the plug this week on the demonstration. No, Martha, he didn't abruptly. Pass- Martha, oh, oh, okay, Martha, let, let me let, okay He abruptly, me. on Friday, he didn't did abruptly that. do anything. He was he for a president. He sabotaged the president's agenda. No. Uh, look, if you check the record six months ago, I made it clear that you have people like Manchin, cinema to a lesser degree who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. And the problem was that we continue to talk to Manchin like he was serious. He was not. This is a guy who is a major recipient of fossil fuel money, a guy who has received campaign contributions from 25 Republican billionaires. Okay, you say he wasn't serious. But- But Manchin says his main goal is to do what's good for West Virginia, and he's worried about inflation. Listen to what he told the West Virginia radio station. Listen to this, please. Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. They can't buy gasoline. They have a hard time buying groceries. Everything they buy and consume for their daily lives is a hardship to them. Your reaction to that, Senator? Well, look, it's the same nonsense the mansion has been talking about for a year. West Virginia is a beautiful state, and I've had the pleasure of being there. Great people. It is one of the poorest states in this country. You ask the people of West Virginia whether they want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. You ask the people of West Virginia whether we should demand that the wealthiest people in large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes. Ask the people of West Virginia whether not all people should have health care as a human right like in every other country on earth. That's what they will say. In my humble opinion, you know, Manchin represents the very wealthiest people in this country, not working families in West Virginia or America.
0: He has that absolutely right. Manchin cares about nobody but himself. Manchin cares about nobody but maximizing profits for himself as a pawn of the plutocracy as a pawn to the oligarchy as a pawn to the oil companies as a pawn to all these guys. So anybody trying to give uh, be serious about mansion, like he cares about inflation. If he cared about inflation and how it is affecting the citizens of specifically West Virginia, he would pass the policies inside a bill of what was Build Back Better. He would give them family care. He would give them health care. He would give them clean up the environment that's killing his own people as they destroy those mountains and throw the coal down the the, the valleys and throw the arsenic down all those things affect west virginians more so than any other state so he is screwing his own i tell you what i would wish what i hope i hope that the democrats go ahead and put a whole lot of barrage because people say well they keep electing the same guy because nobody is telling them the truth. Go out there and show them. Not just talk to them. Show them the pollution at the side of the hills. Show them the pollutions in the creek. Show them that they could get dental care if their, if their senator would support it. Show them that they could get better health care. They are the poorest people in this country. Show them what real Democrats, what real progressive Democrats... Will be there to provide for them, to allow them to have access to success, access to work, access to all the things that would make their lives better. Mansion is no Democrat. Mansion is no Republican. Mansion is Mansion for Mansion. When you hear the things that comes out of our friends like Lynn Halsey Taylor, Sister Jan. They are parrots of the right intent on getting you disillusioned. We invite them in because as we plant seeds, even some of them may realize, oh my God, I'm screwing myself. That is my expectation. That is my hope. That's why I open these doors to absolutely everybody. Everybody because I love everybody, but not only that. The only way we're going to move forward as a country is if together. We actually beat the plutocracy. You see, the plutocracy is the ones that are keeping us fighting each other, the corporatocracy They need us fighting against each other because brothers and sisters, what you see out there is if we ever get together, we're going to say, how do we accept them making us indentured servants how do we accept allowing them to make us antiseptic slaves how do we allow them to take reap the profits from all of our work they raise the prices of gas presumably because there is a shortage there ain't no shortage and that's why they're running themselves all the way to the banquets stock buybacks and these executives are getting big picture i have a friend who works as a an executive in the oil company and uh she you know she got kind of upset at me me because I said, you see that big, humongous bonus that you're going to get? When you get that big bonus, remember that mother, that daughter, that daughter, that father that is that has to go to work and has to pay $5 a gallon for gas, money that they don't have. And where is that money? You see that bonus that you can buy that mink coat with? You see that bonus that can take you to Europe? You see that bonus that can do all those things? That's her money. That is the money that you are taking from her that you didn't have to. You're taking it just because you could. Just because you could. If I could get. The Lynn Halsey Taylors of the world. The Sister Jans of the world. The Eric Hayes of the world. To understand the pilfering that occurs by these corporations. And you just take it. You take it. They, they affect your personal economy and you take it. It's great that we have people that are out there ready to make that change. You can listen I E S, But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several books out there. any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today we continue our series of A Better Human Story with the one and only Dr. Andy Schmuckler. With us today, Dr. Andrew barge Ph.D., a prize-winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk radio host, summa cum laude graduate of Howard University. You know, I like the smart ones. Ph.D. awarded with distinction in a program specifically created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the world. Good afternoon, Dr. Schmuckler. How are you doing today, sir?
2: Okay, I, I, was, I was listening to the introduction. I was thinking, if I ran a zoo, um, uh, coming from where I've learned to come from, I, I would have emphasized the academic earlier on I mean, when people hear me uh, as a political candidate and a talk radio host, uh, I I don't think they're getting the essence of me um, quickly.
0: Uh, Well, you see, I, I beg to differ for one specific reason. Maybe that would have been true 20 or 30 years ago. America has become so shallow that you have to fish first and then bring the intellect.
2: Well, do you think, do you think that when people hear you describe me the way they did where, where the summa from Harvard piece of it uh, doesn't come in until they've already got this image in my, their mind of a talk radio host. uh,
0: Right. And that's who they like.
2: uh, So do you think in terms of my credibility to talk about the things I talk about and the things I talk about are an integrated picture of some Important let let me tell you,
0: let me as somebody who is in front of people every day online, offline, everywhere. I hate to say this, right? But I had to change. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I I mean, I, I would love to be able to have people think my way and like what I like, but I realize when you're in this type of a business. You have to let people lead or you have to allow them to let you. Yeah, but I'm
2: on a mission. I'm on a different kind of mission. I I need to convey something. Uh,
0: Actually, you are on the same mission. You want to be heard. You want people to listen to you, absorb what you have, and know that what you have is of value.
2: But Let me put it this way. What I want is to have people incorporate certain important ideas into their way of seeing the world i can disappear uh in fact cuz i'm yeah. 76 i realized you know i'm going to
0: disappear well let me ask you something doctor yeah the only way that can happen is what if people listen thank you that's my and,
2: point but why so maybe i i'm let me i'm going to ask you um do you think that the people that were that you're talking about that you composed that, you know, talk radio host before academic honors uh, thing. Do you think that they're going to think uh, in a way that could uh, incorporate that better human story? Are, are they going to do the work that it takes to see things whole that I'm trying to convey?
0: If, put it this way. If that's not the case. I'm in the wrong business and you're in the wrong business. And you think to let, let me and, and, and this is important because what you're saying is very important. What you just said. Uh, so a lot of people tell me, why are you spinning your wheels? Why do you talk to those people? In other words, let, you, let me, I don't know is, who
2: those people are. That's what I'm ahead, about.
0: That's ahead. what I'm about to explain. Okay. You're, an, you're an intellect. You're a Harvard graduate. You're a summa cum laude. You have all this high level of thinking. That's a fact. The yeah, thing about it, sort of
2: the essence of, uh, exact, of what I've but, had.
0: But, doctor, let me tell you something about where America has gone since the Powell Manifesto and all these other things. We have taught America not to think too deeply. We've taught America to be superficial.
2: Yeah. Now so what, 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 how? How? Wh- it sounds like I'm the wrong guy.
0: No, uh, you're the right guy. And let me explain. You're the right guy brought in by me. Let me explain what but, I mean by that. But if
2: they don't want to think, you know, I, I'm working real hard to lay out something to think. Um,
0: let's get I, let's 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 move from the elite now to the masses. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, one of my contention is a lot of us on the progressive side. Uh, we want to reach an audience that is ready and willing to accept what we have to offer. I believe it takes more work to create that audience so that they will be willing to accept our work.
2: Uh, This wasn't what I was expecting to talk about, but there's some good things here. So let me go for them. Um, uh, First of all, you know, I'm a mixture of I feel like I really see some stuff, that's right. true and important, and I don't pretend to understand. You know, like how to reach the audience in the way that I want to. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm ready to to learn about that. Um, one of the things that I have wondered uh, as I put this uh, the first big piece of this vision out into the world in 1984. Uh Got a full page review in the New York Times. I have come to suspect that one of the aspects of the consciousness of our times is that there is no appetite for a perspective that, uh, on the whole that brings some important things into focus. When I I was growing up, let's say the 1950s and 60s, you know, developing Uh my mind in my family with my schooling and stuff like that. There were two thinkers who had a huge impact on the general way of people thought about the world. Um, One was Sigmund Freud and one was Karl Marx. And uh, a lot of people perceived some important part of the world through one of those perspectives or Mm -hmm. the other. I myself never had a, a great deal of appreciation for Marx, but I delved very deeply into Freud. He was the, inte- the most, the closest to an intellectual men- mentor other than my dad that I had in my life. And eventually I started quarreling with him and, you know, I, I have a different perspective on it, but anyway, there were those two big schools. Those thoughts were out there in the world, influencing how people saw, you know, the, the class struggle uh-huh. in were Marx, or how they saw, um, uh, it, you know, Woody Allen movies. <laughs>
0: you know? I love movies. I love Woody yeah. Allen. Movies. I mean,
2: he's saturated with a Freudian, you know, um, anyway, uh, Both of those guys have lost a lot of their standing, a lot for good reasons. I mean, I've criticized both of them in my writings and some of us at length. But not only are they not what they used to be, but also nothing has taken their place. It's like there's no market out there for the big picture. You know, whether whether you buy the big picture, according to Marx or Freud, both of them built these huge structures that illuminated some important things and 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 were and deservedly shaped the consciousness of their times. We got nothing like that now. And I also fear that the reason we got nothing. Is that. People are not thinking about the world in a way which that there's not a market for it, and that's what i 'm trying to sell
0: uh, and I, I, I love that explanation actually, and what I have to say first of all when you when you talk about uh, the, the earth having Sigmund Freud or Karl Marx as a two polar not polar opposite but you know the, the Uh, Two Two different alternative visions, alternative visions,
2: some aspect of the human. Right.
0: Those those are the two aspects that you grew up with. I imagine if you grew up somewhere else that has no context with America or or the Western world
2: in the intellectual world, these two guys were dominant in Western civilization, generally
0: in Western civilization. Exactly. But again, their Western civilization is not the sole civilization. And one of the things that you get from that is that, um, you know, people have I think whereas where you say that there isn't a prevailing thought right now, I think what it is, is that people have said there are many others. Now, I was intrigued by your A, a Better Human story. I was intrigued in, in the things that you have to say, but I think we have to come to the realization on two things, first of all. One capturing people by experience, right? And capturing them by experience. In other words, you have to create that symbiotic relationship with that, with that. When I say person, I'm not talking individual person. I'm talking about, you know, with, with society proper. And also you have to, uh, you have to be humbled to have folks listen now. I mean, at first we had a, master who said and when i spent i'm not talking about slave master kind of thing i'm talking about when you when you talk about these two men were thinkers right yeah in society today that's not the thought process the thought process is but it's
2: it's my thought process
0: exactly and
2: and and it's it's i there's a value to it um it, it but it requires the intellectual habit of trying to see how everything's connected. And what I believe that I've been up against is that we have a a motive of thought predominant in our civilization that sees things in pieces. It, it, It sees the news as like one thing. For example, let me just give you an example. Starting in, I think, 2005, I started asking liberal audiences, what do we call something that, and then I would describe all the stuff that the Republican Party was doing. Mm -hmm. Things like exacerbating hostilities between the races, shifting wealth from the people who have the the least to the people who already have the most, uh, blocking action, necessary action on climate change, and on and on and on. And basically what I was trying to say is put the pieces together and see the spirit at work here. This is what we are up against. And the habit of our time of not putting the pieces together, as I saw what happened as I kept trying to do this, it's a habit of, of, of just, you know, hanging back and, 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 and watching one thing happen after another.
0: I am glad you put that into perspective. First of all, I, I want to push back on, on 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 a first part that you said. Um, when I said, when I mentioned that people today's in today's world, they won't look at two big thinkers of our time with with, with you know, and 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 in my opinion, justifiably so. And your response was, "Well, I do." And that's fine. No, that's,
2: let me give a different response, which yeah. is it is important to see things whole. I no, I and I, that I, takes it takes work. And it's important yes. intellectually because right. if you don't see things whole, you don't really see them. Now, Dr.
0: Schmuckler, I am in one hundred percent agreement with you. And you know who else sees things in whole, just not wholly in a holy form? The right. Because everything that you've just said. They have been planning for 50 years and they're close to the culmination of it. And as you accurately stated, we are still thinking in bits and pieces. In other words, they came to I mean, that that Roe versus Wade is coming to an end, that all these Supreme Court things are about to fall, that all of that was a plan as a whole, not a whole, not a holy whole.
2: And, and, you know, from our previous conversations that I see this battle. Yes. Uh, I see the, the this battle in terms of two coherent forces, one of them spreading consistently a pattern of brokenness, which is my definition. That of was
0: evil. what we spoke about last week. Yes, And you,
2: you, you can't see that at the heart of the human drama is a battle between good and evil. Yes. Unless you can see how the pieces fit together, because and that's what we did. I think the last time out was talk about how if you connect cause and effect, you can see this force of evil the way we can see the wind in the swaying of the trees and the flapping of the clothes on the line. So it's a spiritual requirement and it's an intellectual requirement. And in the case of what I've got to offer. It takes intellectual work. So, you know, we do need some kind of framework to make sense of this big picture. We're and in.
0: you and you know what? You actually use the title of what our show is supposed to be today, which is the reality of the spiritual dimension. But before we hit that,
2: I do want to go there. I do want to go there. I know do, you I do, do
0: want to go there. You want to go there. Of course you want to <laughs> yeah, go <I> do. there. <laughs> it's it's what, a
2: part of that whole.
0: Right. What I want to say, Dr. Lewis, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, with with respect to thinking the way you think, you have to think the totality. I don't know. You probably don't listen to my show on a daily basis, but that is what I try to do. And that's why on my program, I don't just talk to progressives. I talk to everybody and I try to put everybody together. In fact, I'm going to be in New York uh, on the 3rd uh, with the Bridge Alliance, where we're going to be talking about. You know, sort of looking at the yeah, whole.
2: I, I, let me just say also, I do want to get to the spiritual thing. Uh, I, I respect, uh, though I don't fully ha- have a concept of exactly what all you're doing, but mm-hmm. um, I'm listening as closely as I can. And I respect it. And, and, and your relationship with your audience, um, uh, uh, I appreciate it. There's more than one kind of relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and, and mine's different, um, and, and I can see downsides and such to it. But, you know, I'm on this mission, which has to do with conveying an integrative vision of the human world. And, you know, i am that's different from what you're doing in relating to people and bringing them together into things that you share with them and show to them. Uh, and I think there's room for both of us to place and i we- I'm appreciative that you've um, you know this-
0: what's great I, I think uh, you, you may have you may have said it i I consider myself now a conduit okay and I think it's it's an Im- important distinction I don't want to claim to know what everybody knows, but i want I want the opportunity to learn from others and transmit that conduit and transmit that in a fashion that they will absorb it. And you're,
2: you're an honest, honest broker.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, brother, doctor. And a Schmuckler, let's get this is the, let's get busy with the reality of the spiritual dimension. Yeah, let's why is that. it that you wanted to talk about that today? Well,
2: I, it relates to seeing things whole. Uh, I, I mean, intellectually seeing things whole. For me, you know, I, I took my my comprehensives in a dozen fields, or at least I told my commit. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's interdisciplinary. I've been interdisciplinary since I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the intellectual thing, but. To see things whole also means seeing other kinds of dimensions than the intellectual. And we've talked about the reality of value be here before that, that something emerges with life, that creatures for whom something is better or something is worse brings value into the world. It does exist and it exists through subjective experience. So experience Brings in a whole nother dimension, and so the 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 integrated picture I'm trying to give has within it a moral dimension. There is such a thing as good and evil, better and worse. justice is better than injustice, love is better than hatred generosity is better than greed, and so on. It's simply true because it is life-serving to be on one side of those and life-destroying to be on the other side of those and, it, and value registers in the experience of creatures like us. Well, the spiritual dimension is another one. It's not on the intellectual plane. Like the moral one, it emerges it's not objective about laying out the forces like I tend to do. It, 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 and it, it's, it's about experiencing value, but it's something that goes beyond just saying, this feels better than that feels. I'm fulfilled or I'm miserable. That kind of value. There's something else, and that is that it is widespread in humankind that people will have a special kind of experience. Something breaks through into a reality which is hyper real. It is it is what's really real. It is powerful. It may you know, it can take different forms. It could be, you know, some some uh, uh, Mexican girl uh, seeing the Virgin Mary or it could be uh, 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 somebody sitting Zen and having Satori Uh, or it could be Moses in the burning bush. I've had a couple of experiences like that myself that got me thinking.
0: 83 and 2004.
2: And 70. Okay. I mean, that, was, that one really rocked the boat. Okay. Um, that set me on. And one of the things is that that level of experience, there's various things you can say about it, but it's very powerful in its role in, in individual lives you know, my life took off from that day and, and, you know, I was on my way to an academic career and everything changed in a couple minutes where where I saw something. and had a, a transformative spiritual experience and other people have other kinds of experience. Like we had astronauts up there, uh, the first people to see our planet That's from that whole. vantage point. Yeah. and And they come back a couple of them. Anyway, they come back with having had a spiritually transformative experience. Anyway, it is a fact. And this is, you know, my integrative vision is we can get to where we need to get to through a rational and empirical way of looking at things. And evolution has created this picture. We can tell by how widespread this capacity for this special kind of experience is that it is part of the, that capacity is part of the human genome. Explain. Well, people are doing it. You know, I don't know if elephants do it. I'm not going to lo- launch into a Cole Porter song. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but humans do it. And, and it, it, you know, we can go to hunter-gatherers and you can see that in the, in the Siberian uh, hunter-gathering tribes uh, bands, the, uh, there, were, there were shamans who would enter into a special realm of spiritual whatever uh, and come back um, having something of value for their community and uh i i read about the wizards in the amazon who uh likewise are part of you know these these bands and who uh, have used some of the amazon the, the jungles uh, plants uh in order to achieve a spiritually illuminated state where they learn things that are important so we have a, a fact that human beings have this capacity and something like that wouldn't be there if it wasn't being selected for let me I mean, stop it's you not here just
0: What exactly is that spiritual dimension?
2: Well, I mean, given
0: given that it's not physical, what is, what is it?
2: It's it's a level of, I'm talking about right now as a level of experience. That's the key word. People have a, a, an experience, which is especially powerful. It tends to deliver to them truths that feel important It can take a lot of different forms. I mean, you look at... Give me your
0: 1970 experience.
2: Well, in my experience, I felt like I was being shown something. Who?
0: By whom or by what? Well,
2: it beats me. Not like I haven't thought about it. I I don't have an answer that fits into my mm, rational, empirical... No, you
0: wrote a book out of that one.
2: Yeah, I did. I I applied all the tools.
0: I think it's all... uh the parable of the tribes. parable of the tribes yeah
2: yeah yeah i spent uh you know i wrote a 1600 but you know i did my ho- I, I i but i received something you know in a very short period of time that i don't really recall any how elaborate it could have been i mean it wasn't like you know a, a download exactly uh but I believe that by the end of the day, I was using the phrase, the parable of the tribes. And um, but anyway, that's that's what it was like for me. But, you know, I've had I know people who've had conversion experiences having to do with, uh, you know, Christian conversion experiences. It takes all kinds of forms. And, and I'm uh, mine's just uh, what, what mine is was. It real. Well, let's just say I said about value to say that. That value is not real makes as much sense as to say that pain is not real. In other words, people have experiences where they experience things as sacred. And just like with value, the sacred has no meaning unless it's sacred to somebody or something that experiences it as sacred. I mean, what could it mean if we had a a universe with no God and no sentient creatures, just a bunch of matter and energy running around, nothing experiencing anything? What would it mean to say anything sacred? I can't think of it.
0: You know, I I want to back up a bit. You just made you just made a statement there that I, I you know, just kind of triggered the science in my mind when you said. Uh, it's just as I mean a, a, a spiritual experience. What about pain? Is pain real? And then I started to think about it. Pain is just interpretation of an electrical impulse from some externality. It, wow, it is that's you actually pretty. It could have been, and not only that, right? Uh, the brain interprets pain as something that do- that duele, that hurts, right? But a brain could in, just like my daughter who's compromised on the left side feels no pain. Those, those things are still firing. It's just the brain is not interpreting it that well, way. And
2: don't have to deal with it in pain. The point is that we,
0: experience.
2: No, no, I want it. I want
0: it. I want it. I think for, uh, for people to understand some of what we're saying here, that okay. is a good, a very, in fact, it's, it's why you used it. That was a good expression to say when, dissected oh it makes a lot of sense
2: so i see that value and the sacred which i define as like value to the nth degree uh can exist only in the experience through through experience the experience of something who's capable of experiencing value and capable of breaking through uh into an, a level of experience that's that's powerful and transformative and maybe revelatory or whatever it is. I mean, I, I've studied things about, uh, you know, like people like books about Zen Buddhism, you know, um, I had a relationship with one of America, but do I know what actually goes on when somebody experiences Satori? No, but I can tell that it's something. And, and I read about mystics who have these experiences of oneness with the universe i mean you can read it's 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 sort of a universal or a semi-universal that that mystical experience of oneness it, it takes a lot of forms but it always involves breaking through to a like a deeper level of reality which to which the word spiritual seems uh reasonable to attach
0: yeah when you know there are a lot of people who just wouldn't understand the concept of spiritualism in this particular argument. Tell me a little bit about, you told, you told us about 1970, where you went ahead and out of that, wrote your, your book, um, The Parables, Parable of the Tribes. Um, what in that book most explains what you actually, uh, what was revealed to you?
2: Well, let me just say that at the moment, I estimate that book to articulate like Uh, one sixth or so of what I've put together in the the whole, you know, the whole thing, Um, what that, the parable of tribes, what I saw and what the book tries compellingly and meticulously to demonstrate is that when a creature takes the step onto the path of civilization, it inevitably unleashes a social evolutionary force that will drive that civilization to develop in ways it wouldn't have chosen. You've always liked that phrase, the spirit of a gangster. It's in that context that because of the dynamics that are unleashed in the system, when a creature takes the unprecedented step of extricating itself from the natural order by inventing its own way of life, that's the path of civilization that's how i define civilization i think it works basically that when you uh, that it precipitates that creature into a dynamic having to do with there being no order to regulate the interactions among these societies which is anarchy which leads to the warlord or the gangster having a predominant role in saying this is how the human world will be so in that book i don't say this but I think I prove it. Uh, any creature on any planet, regardless of its nature, that takes the step that our species took 10 or 12,000 years ago, that extricating itself, etc., inventing its own way of life thing, will inevitably unleash social evolutionary forces that will make its history as destructive and tormented as human history has been. That's what that that's what I saw. I mean, that's that follows necessarily from,
0: uh, you know, you know, uh, I don't know when you when you put it that way. uh, It has two different sides, right? You can either say, oh, my God, that's not too that doesn't speak well for the future. Or you can look at it and say, well, because, you know, that that is a natural evolutionary stage, you probably should do something about it.
2: It, it, the latter is where I'm at. I mean, I think we've talked about the central challenge that mm-hmm. uh, uh, any civilization creating creature would, would face, namely to order its civilization well enough, soon enough to prevent its self-destruction. And I see the destructive forces, uh, at work in our civilization that have taken over one of our two major political parties.
0: Yes, it has.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I see that destructive force as being um the echoes of the original uh, uh uh disorder that unleashed this terrible social evolutionary force that led you know, in, in in 5000 years from the beginnings of horticulture to the emergence of the empires, that you've got these tyrannical few enslaving the many and waging wars of conquest, the spirit of the gangster. And it wasn't because that is who we are. And so the other thing I say follows from the parable of tribes is the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. What is it? It is the result of a destructive force that got unleashed and was inevitably going to be unleashed if a creature uh, broke out of the natural order into the anarchy that civilization inevitably was going to be, be in. There was no way for the natural order to regulate them. There was no way for the humanity uh, collectively to come up with a with a uh, an agreement that they uh, could then also enforce to make sure that all their interactions were consistent with the well-being of the whole system. This was something unprecedented in history of life. It was anarchy, a war of all against all, the selection for the ways of power and plunging the poor civilization creating creature who just had the uh, creative intelligence to break the rules condemning it to thousands of years of very strong difficulty. And the outcome remains uncertain. And yes, we really do need to work to overcome that destructive force.
0: I'd love to hear that. Now I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. Um, and, it, and how uh, the spiritualism that lives within us all. It lives within us all. Now you had a unique spiritual experience that probably, many won't have or many won't allow themselves to have. That's just human nature. I mean, uh, there are some people that just believe they are not spiritual, and as such, they probably won't yeah, open. I,
2: I don't know if this, I mean, I say the capacity is widespread. I I say my impression from things I've heard is like one-third of the people uh, get to that level one way or another. But, but I've had other people suggest, no, they think everybody has that innate
0: capacity. That's where... Where, where I stand is, um, again, I, I'm a science based person that doesn't think there are a lot of things that influence the material body externally per se. You know, I mean, I, I think we're genetically, we're a certain way, which I think gives us all similar behavior. We do
2: have things like one ninth of the people are left handed. I exactly. mean. Exactly. And some people are musical and some people are not. Right. So like maybe it's something that gets uh, shuffled and dealt out. Not everybody. It may be
0: somehow in the end, yeah, but what, like I, I, I don't, said, I don't
2: know. I don't pretend. We that. don't. don't None of us
0: do. None of us do. But the preponderance is that we all have these capacities, even even if it's, it needs to be triggered or otherwise. Now, my real question to you is as follows. Um, Given, given the spiritual, these, these, given that we, we, we most have these spiritual the ability to have these spiritual uh, forms, if you will, or modals. how do we use that to make well, my, a better human story? To make to, to make things better, how do we how do we not allow what has occurred thus far to occur?
2: Well, I mean, the answer to that is manifold. Uh, you know, I mean, there's strengthening the powers of the good. How? Uh, and we've talked about some of the ways in which. The side in America right now that has had the duty fall to it to represent the good because the other side is in the possession of evil. Uh, So every fight is basically along that axis. So. Uh, we've talked about the problems in the culture of liberal America and what we're talking about today, about not seeing things whole, I regard as part of that. It's not just that, you know, uh, what the Nazis did in Auschwitz, I, isn't what I would have done, but it seemed right to them. So it was right to them. There's that, but there's also not seeing things whole because the spiritual power of seeing things whole, whether, you know, like, uh, People come back from a a mystical experience or an acid experience or whatever, and and they've got this sense that everything is one or something like that. It's very powerful. So if if people can, what I've been trying to do is to show, for example, in, in this particular urgent battle in America, where democracy versus fascism is the form that good versus evil is taking at the moment.
0: That's for the next time though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I believe that, um, I, it is important that people perceive the whole that is represented by Everything from the insurrection to Alito's theocratic and uh, contemptuous uh, opinion to the disenfranchisement—you know—on and on and on. Just this this, this picture of uh, of a coherent force that is spreading a pattern of brokenness that needs to be perceived in at the spiritual level. Because that's where it's operating.
0: I agree. And, you know, uh, even further than that, I think that the other side has, uh, has done exactly that just in a manner not for, for the good. That's, that's my thought. Okay, uh, Dr. Schmuckler, as usual, when we get into these long conversations, time just seems to fly. So, as usual, you have the floor to give me your closing argument.
2: Not a closing oh, wow. argument. You know what I mean. Well, I, 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 in terms of the structure of things, let me uh, present the three E's. Um, I don't know how well I'll be able to improvise this, but.
0: Uh, well, I love your three E's. So I'm looking at them right now. So go oh, okay. for it. Let's, hold, let's well, see if you remember what you wrote.
2: Well, evolution, emergence and experience. Yes. And, you know, th- what I'm saying is that we can admit the moral dimension Getting into the world through the evolutionary dimension, we can be grounded in the truth about what's going on in the forces in this world.
0: Or experience...
2: Uh, Well, no, I'm thinking about objectively. We know how evolution works. It selects for what helps a a creature uh, put its DNA into the future. It means it's continually choosing life over death. And it it means it will inscribe in in the nature of the creature that it will register things in a way that motivate it to do what will help preserve its life. And the strategy is to to build in what was life-serving in the ancestral past. Take that structure, which is where we come from, and we can go into the other dimensions. Bless you. Yeah. There's an emergence of value in creatures that experience some things better and some things worse. I don't know when that started. We've got it. My cats have got it. You know. Whether Planaria have got it or not, I don't know. But someplace, there's a line anyway. It emerges into the world. The first life emerges out of the dead. And then the, that which can value things emerges out of things that might as well be, you know, doesn't matter. And then the spiritual dimension emerges. And that means that it was life-serving to have that capacity. And indeed, if you look at the things that people come back with, they tend more often than not to push toward wholeness and not brokenness. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Let let anger by non-anger be overcome. Let us take better care of this planet. And in my case... Let us understand what we're up against so that we can bring human civilization into a soft landing where life in us and around us can thrive instead of our destroying ourselves.
0: Dr. Andy Schmuckler, thank you so kindly once again for continuing your series, A Better Human Story on Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly. Please get one of my several books out there. any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of or many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen I E S, But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view we are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willies. Let us engage.